Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco MutinyRadio.fm Hit the donate button Stream them live Download a podcast Have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's 2 o'clock here at mutinyradio.fm, and it is time for Some Call Me Tim. Welcome to Some Call Me Tim. It is a Wednesday. It is 2 o'clock. I am joined by the amazingly talented, vivacious, woman of many hats, wigs, costumes, Edna Miroslava Raya. Did I pronounce it right? No. Nope, not at all. Uh, that doesn't seem to be on. 
That doesn't want to isn't that Does funny? This one work? There we go. Okay, great. Isn't that funny? I wonder why that's not working. <laughs> um, it's uh stage name is Edna Mira Rea. Edna Mira Rea. Yeah. All right. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, some call me Tim. Uh, usually Jesus is being covered up by oh, yes. a board, but usually I have you look deep into the eyes of sparkle Jesus and I ask, do you believe in Jesus? No. As a, not even <laughs> as a person, as a just, he's just a myth. Yeah. Cool. You're the, one of the first people who've ever, who's ever said that. Usually, oh, really? Usually people go like, was he a real guy or was he like the son of God? And I'm like, but you're like not even a little. No. Didn't no. exist. No. Nowhere, anywhere. No. Cool. I think all the Bible was of, uh, just parables and myths and cool stories. <laughs> cool story. Do you ascribe to any like religious concepts, precepts? Um, I used to like Buddhism and follow it a little bit, but I, I don't really practice anything, so I can't really say gotcha. that I'm religious in any way. I do... Um, I, I did take DMT a couple times and I do believe that we are all connected um, spiritually and I, I believe that we go after this life to uh, um, back to like womb state or pre-womb state, which is what I saw Oh, like um, like a limbo where we're all connected molecules like with the air and we're all connected to trees and we're all gods right that's okay. what I saw and that's Fair. what I believe because I saw it and you've done you've done DMT more than once twice yeah so you chose to go for it a second time I took it once and oh, I was yeah. like I'll never do it again what why the aliens tried to take me away and I didn't like it they were taking you to a safe place I didn't believe it really they were like come with us everything's cool yeah they're like get, get on the ship come on and I was like I'm not going anywhere with you I was so scared Aww. I was like they were pulling everyone else up with like technicolor string into the mothership and I was yeah. like holding on to this metal contraption oh, like no. child like a child's playground thing and like they were take they were like no 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 come on I was yeah. like, I'm not. I thought that if I went oh, with them, I was going to yeah, be. yeah, I would have gone. I, I really, I thought that I was good. If I went with them, I was going to die. I was like, that's it. I'm just letting go. I'm going with but them. But you I'm were never dead. Back. That's the thing. Is that what <laughs> DMT does? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it shows you where you go when you die. And I where was you not, started. I was not ready to go. Oh, yeah. So I, I just fought that. with them the whole time. I get that. <laughs> It'll <laughs> probably be like that at the end, too. But like, no! <laughs> they seen they had very nice friendly voices and they were telling me everything was going to be okay yeah yeah but trust, like, trust them oh it was really? beautiful it's the most beautiful thing i ever saw really and experienced yeah i they they were mirrored and um, uh mirrored everything is mirrored you know in your head but like they were um uh mirrored images of each other so like tall lanky green faceless genderless beings um didn't speak to me at all just extended their hands to me in this really like um like indian style like belly dance uh hand pose and sure. then just like uh i grabbed their hands and they shot me into this uh three-dimensional space where i think i was like pre-womb gotcha. and I could hear my mother's heartbeat in the womb and I could hear her cooing at me from outside you know wow. her belly it was cool really cool it was this before or after you had the large vagina built 
after, much after. Much after. So the, <laughs> I love so the that enor- connection. <laughs> so the enormous vagina has so been quick. with you for longer than the DMT Oh, experience. so long. I had that built for my show out of clowns, clown school, um, Alice Down the Wrong Rabbit Hole. Wow. We had a, <laughs> it, 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 it was a, a two-woman show with my clown partner, Karen Light, and she and I um, were trying to follow the... Um, Word word by word, the 1954 classic Alice in Wonderland, we were trying to mime the entire thing. Whoa. And so, of course, we fail and a lot of things happen along the way. And at the end, we end up in a fight and then we end up in a women's talk show, um, a feminist women's talk show. And we... Um, invite guests every night well we invited guests every night to come be part of the women's talk show and they would crawl in through the vagina this was very important like we had to have them walk through it right sure so my friend chris made me this this awesome wooden frame and my friend eduardo upholstered it with leather and um velveteen it's gorgeous and everyone can see that uh it's being featured in the next edna in a bottle yay yeah, it's um, so it's it's amazing to me that you don't have um, like a religious background or any like sort of set of beliefs, because I feel like in only working with you for this month, you're such like a deep and spiritual person that has like all of these huge gifts that belong to humanity. And I I always grapple with the idea, like, does your goodness as a person come from like, does there have to be an external morality or motivation to make you be? The no. type of person you are. Well, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Oh. <laughs> was it like bad Catholic? Was it like nuns hitting you on the hand Catholic? Uh, it was more like mom and grandma hitting me on the hand Catholic. Uh. But yeah, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of like, don't masturbate, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. that was always, I, had, I, I literally masturbated in my closet. I was literally oh, in the I'm closet. Sorry. I would like, I would like move clothes and <laughs> shoes around and like lay down in the closet yeah. and hide because I knew that we weren't supposed to do that. I got caught masturbating when I was six years old and I got hit. So yeah, that's like not a good introduction to my sexuality. We have a similar background. I remember being five and t- trying to teach Valerie Duda, a friend of mine in k- kindergarten, trying to teach her in my room how to masturbate. Cause I didn't even know what it was, Yeah, but it was this thing I did. I laid on my hands with my fist and I did this thing <laughs> and I was trying to show her cause she was a friend and I was like, you've got to try this. <laughs> And she like looked at me and was like, I don't get it. And so I think some of us were just more sexual. Isn't that weird though? Like where does that come from? I was never molested or touched in any way. Not by family. Not by, (laughs) yeah. I I mean, as a child, not by anybody. Yeah. Same. So, but I was, I I mean, I I was masturbating when I was like four five, six years old because it was seven or eight when I got in the actual closet. Yeah. I, I masturbated. I remember very vividly to Jennifer Aniston being tied to a tree in the Leprechaun movie. Wow. (laughs) That was super attractive to me. Sure. And like bondage is super hot. So like I get it. But I think at the time it, it... 
it didn't cross my mind that it was weird. It was just like, I'm attracted to this. This is intriguing to me. Sure. Yeah. My thing was, um, I used to read sections of Clan of the Cave Bear. There's some super sexy parts in Clan of the Cave Bear. <laughs> and, I'd, and it was hard because I have to do it when I'm laying down on my tummy. But reading also. Right. So yeah, I'd, I'd put the book, <laughs> like I'd put my, I'd my chin so the chin would keep yeah, the book yeah, open yeah. and I'd be like, oh reading my God. Like that's, I would, that's very but, involved. But I'd be hiding. That was the whole thing is I had to like that's like your first porn yeah i was was reading like books and now they have stands for this yeah they have, <laughs> they have, they have technology is that how it works well now i have an imagination but i yes. remember reading that and being like what is going on I in this no idea what book you're talking about but it sounds Clan childish can of the cleave bear it's, it's it's amazing book okay it's and it's all this there's this john dar man Noria woman like he takes her virgin it's this guy it's this traveling guy Mm -hmm. who has sex with women for the first time because he's like so good at it and it's like this (laughs) thing and they present this woman and the old woman is there and she takes the robes that she takes the rugs at the end because there's something secret in the power of the blood oh my god that sounds awful (laughs) to me it's like no it's crazy (laughs) but that was the other thing my mom would never let me have boy Barbies. I could only have girl Barbies. So all my girl Barbies were doing all these crazy things together. I'm like, so you're so super Christian. And that was before they even were like lesbianism. It's gross and wrong. Like before they went there, it was like, you can't have a Ken doll because you're a super sexualized child. My, my Ken doll and Barbies definitely had sex a lot. I watched a lot of soap operas and all I knew was that they rolled around in the sheets. And so it's like, yeah, that's what they're doing. (laughs) I watched a lot. What was your favorite soap opera? Days of Our Lives. I do. Were you watching it when Marlena got uh, possessed? I don't remember. She got possessed by the devil. It was so funny. Her eyes turned this crazy, like <laughs> yellowish green color, and she'd be like, Wah. "I don't remember that." All the Romans too. There were two Romans. There was like Roman, her husband, in the very beginning in the eighties, and then he disappeared, and they had the other Roman. But then they said he's not Roman. He's this other guy. I was watching in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's when I was... We're a decade apart, I think. But I watched it in both... So I watched it in college in the 90s because uh-huh. I failed physics. Oh. I, because it was on at the same time that my class for physics, the first time I took it, <laughs> it was from three to four or something on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I was like, I can't just watch Tuesday, Thursday, Days of Our Lives. Yeah. So I was missing class Oh. for Days of Our Lives in college. That's crazy. And you were watching it as a kid. Well, you don't need physics. No, it was physics for poets too. It was. Oh wow, that yeah. sounds weird. It was taught by Sally Ride, Who's the, that? the astronaut. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't that hard. You just had to do the homework and go to class. So the second time I took it, I was like, "Oh, this class is really easy." Super easy. I have <laughs> you just skipped it. <laughs> if you don't show up, turns out if you don't show up, you don't understand physics. Yeah, That's that, how that makes works. sense. <laughs> Well, so good. Early masturbator. Mm-hmm. Shame from the parents. Got that out of the way. Let's um, get really deep now. <laughs> did you? Did you have? Um, was it the same like religious upbringing where they're like, your body is dirty, and your your sex is being naked in front of people is bad? And definitely like, didn't like nudity stuff. Didn't like me to be skanky in any way. Um, didn't like overly sexualized anything. They wanted me to be a perfect princess which I was for a while. And that meant I wasn't allowed to speak without being spoken to and a lot of that stuff. What? Yeah. So like at the dinner table, you just had to sit there really pretty? Uh, no, not in family situations, just like with other people, uh, with other adults for mm. a long time. Like it was like, don't say anything. I 
and then I would I was like terrified like of saying anything sure so I just went mute for a long time and what ages would you say that happened um I think like five to five to seven eight yeah I think eight is the year I remember I kind of started like being allowed to kind of have joke conversations with adults that were my mom's friends. Mm. And that's how I started learning jokes. Um, They would tell me really long jokes and I would memorize them and then repeat them to other, to my friends and have them captivated at like lunchtime or whatever. Yeah. That was interesting. So you were taught to listen. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But definitely not encouraged to speak. No. Were you a loud child? No. So you were just quiet and then you got quieter. I also ate in really tiny bites. Like I was a very, very shy child (gasps) is because I was just like very, my mom was so strict with me. I wasn't, I was just scared of her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something about being perfect. And if you're not perfect, you won't get maybe the love and respect of the people that you're it wasn't for. love and respect it was just you would get beaten or wow. whatever else yeah. yeah yelled at my mom yeah. had like my mom was crazy the yelling yeah yeah did a lot of yelling it was too. terrifying it would like hurt your heart like it would kind of you'd feel it coming and you get really scared <gasps> yeah i don't like that feeling i tried to be perfect for my parents and act uh, but or but and then it it, mul- it went after the parents. It went into Jesus. It was like Jesus watching me all the time. I have to be perfect for Jesus. Oh wow! And yeah. so there was like an even bigger sort of thing hanging over it. Also, I, I love thirty. I, I, people wonder why I've always loved thirty three year old guys. I'm like Jesus was thirty three. <laughs> like come on. Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting older. You keep staying the same age. <laughs> Sexy was, Jesus. I was also a compulsive liar, so I can't say that I was a Jesus fan or that I thought he was watching me. It was more like at home I have to act this certain way and then when I'm not home I can act this other way and then I got caught like really bad where my mom found out that I had been lying to her for like a whole year about what I was eating at lunch what yeah I had been telling her that I was eating all this healthy stuff when like someone told her that I ate pizza every day there's nothing wrong with pizza no but she was like not that was not because it was the lie plan was yeah And the plan was that I was going to eat all this other healthy stuff at lunch. And I was just eating like junk for like a year. And then when she found out, she got so mad at me. I swore I would never, I swore off of lying from then on. And I don't think I've ever really had a problem with lying since then. I'm very forthright. Compulsive liar in that you were making a lot of creative stories or that you were specifically (laughs) changing the truth in instances like the lunch thing. The lunch thing. So So you were lying to get what you wanted, not lying to just like be creative and be like, yeah, like. At home, I'm a princess, and I live in a huge house with a castle and a dog, and I ride. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Because you weren't like fantastical liar. No. You were like practical liar. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. My parents, the thing that will always stick with me is that my mother said when I was little, uh, you're ugly when you're angry. So I was taught that certain emotions are not okay to show people in public. Mm. And so that... Of course, I doubled down and then I'm like, I'm going to cry in public all the time <laughs> like, right? and get angry and yell at people. Like, I, I think that all of that, like I backlashed from it. And the other one was just look pleasant. She'd say like, wow. you're such a pretty girl. If you could just shut your mouth and look pleasant. Oh my God. Yeah. She'd be like, just, just look pleasant and you'll be fine. Oh no. So I, even junior high and high school, I'd be having trouble like with social interactions or being in school or feeling normal or whatever and she'd say just 
don't talk. Just shut your mouth and look pleasant. Just smile and nod. And boys will like you. Because I was oh, like, why God. do boys like me? She's like, well, you intimidate them because you talk. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, that's such a 50s lessons. mentality. Wow. Yeah, just, just, be, just be pretty. Just wow. But then it, then the flip side of that is if then everything starts to go to the pretty side and it's like, if you're not pretty enough and there's other things, I mean, how big are my thighs and this and that, and who's considered pretty and who's not? And how does that work? And if I'm, if all I am is that I'm pretty, then what am I? Yeah. My family is a little more hypocritical than that. Like they wanted me to be pretty and perfect, but they also wanted me to be really smart and smarter than everybody else. And if I failed at that, then I was disgracing their name. Ooh. And that was even darker and harder because when I got a bad grade in a test, oh my God, it was like... So much yeah. pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. It, That's what why it, I was so scared of them. Did they have... Is it that they put these expectations on you because they missed out on something in their own lives? Or? It was because they were immigrants and mm. they had a name to claim, I guess, and they didn't want to be seen as the poor immigrants. So um, they hadn't come up or anything, but my mom and my uncle had. So um, to them, like that, that was something that they like uh, were proud of. Yeah. And if I veered off in any direction that was like not in line with what they thought other people expected of their family name, then right. I was in big trouble. And what, what's your, what's your ba background? What's your ethnicity? Mexican. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I never would have guessed. Really? No. Oh, I look, I look Indian. I look, I look. Yeah. yeah you look like. I'm ambiguous. And I've seen you in the, in your show be men and women and yeah. all types of different things. I would have never guessed. Yeah. Great. I love Mexico. <laughs> I love it. I love Mexicans. I love everything about it. And I, this we're right where we're standing I used know, to be Mexico. And that's crazy to me how and why America has decided to take, to demonize, especially our, our, our chief right now that I don't like to say his name either, but he's chosen to demon. When you're talking about like hardworking immigrants, man, Mexicans are a hundred percent. We, I went to Mexico years yeah, ago. We like them to clean our toilets. We just well, don't like them to run for office. It, it doesn't make, it doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. Like, cause the, the work ethic and working hard. And if you, did you see the movie a day without a Mexican? No, I didn't. So funny. It's from the early 2000s. Terrible, yeah. terrible production value. Okay. But totally amazing because. Theme movies always are. Yeah. It's all the Mexicans just disappear. And then there's all these people in cars going like, how do I? She's like yelling oh, at her amazing. nanny. She doesn't. She's like, I don't know how to get the kids ready for. Like everyone's lives in San Diego fall apart. That's great. Because the Mexicans just disappear. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy to me. I went down there for vacation a while ago and we went up. We were deep. We were down by Manzanillo. And we went to a different town and they were working on like a road. And then we went to that same town like three days later and the road was built. Wow. And it's crazy to me when you're looking around here. <laughs> takes it like takes a year. To do anything. Van Ness has been ripped I up know, for three, three years. years. And it took like three days. Yeah. And then he goes, it's like. They have nothing else to do. They get the job done and they move on to the next thing because they have to. Because they have to work. They have to make the money. Right. People it's are lazier here because they're spoiled. So lazy. Yeah. The, the one thing I it changed my life. I grew up. I grew up in Danville. I don't know if you know where that is. Uh, it's over I the hill. know of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross and wealthy place. And I thought because I'd watched Nine Hundred Two and O and I'd been growing up the way I had until I was sixteen years old. I thought everybody. I thought I was poor. Yeah. Like I would like because in Danville we were like 
on the low end of rich. Oh my God. It's so stupid. <laughs> but so I, I always like, I felt like I, I got made fun of because I had a Hyundai instead of a BMW, like that <laughs> shit. I had a fucking car wow. yeah. and it was like, your car's lame. It was like, so that all that stuff was going on. And I went to Mexico on this like house building trip and we were driving through Tijuana out into these out roads and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I saw houses built out of garage doors. Like, remember when we changed our garage doors from the ones that went, and yes. they were all thing, and they go, and now they, they go, go boop, 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 yeah. boop. So what did we do with all those garage doors in California? They built houses with them in Mexico. Wow. So I was like, I mean, the whole pew, pew Amazing. Concept. So resourceful. But it was like, they are living in stuff that we considered trash yeah. and I just didn't I thought everyone lived the life I did oh no I had no idea but that's how like small my world was yeah and then suddenly you know through travel it was like we're so, so different in our cultures I have this stand-up bit that's pretty dark and I haven't really done it out very much um it's about um, the difference between that I'm trying to like uh, connect with my roots more and like trying to think like imagine like what would my life be like if I was in Mexico and then it gets a little dark and I'd say you know when uh, you know when Mexicans eat food they like play music and they're enjoying life and they take a long time to do it you know kind of like in France and Italy as well like they take yeah. like a long lunch break and they're enjoying themselves there's always music playing in the streets or playing outside like at, at all times right now if we were in Mexico there'd be music playing out of like three different places there'd be sure. people on the street playing music and here it's like a cattle call like you just you're doing it like it's a task and you're not really enjoying it right and even when people come and play you music you don't enjoy it because you're listening to your own music in your own head Headphones and it's like your private little world it's right. not shared in the experience and then I talk about how it's uh you know Mexicans are very passionate about everything they do like even uh like marriage is more passionate and fights are more passionate and like if you get in an argument uh with your wife you know you don't you don't stop uh loving your wife you start hating her <laughs> that's, that's how passionate they are and if you murder her on accident you still go out into the streets and you yell i killed her i did it it was a crime of passion and here it's like you treat it like an 8 a.m meeting you like you know prepare the necessary documents you schedule it in your calendar right and then you do the deed because you know you you didn't you couldn't stop loving your wife because you never loved her at all so because you, you don't know what love is yeah so, so when you kill food. her and everybody's like hey phil where's your wife you're like i don't know she wasn't at the 8 a.m meeting <laughs> she called in sick i don't know <laughs> she's not here um Passionate. I, I need. Yeah, Americans were not. We're passionate in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Like, it all seems to go to violence, like video games and yeah, the things where. Well, that's I a problem know. in other countries as well. I I think that mostly it's that we have so much free time. Also, there's like lacking in culture and soul, and so when you don't have passion for like hobbies and things like that, you turn to the internal which gets really dark really fast because if you're by yourself all the time you get crazy ideas sure so if there's no community which there's a huge lack of that here everyone's so isolated and facebook's not helping no no uh but it's it's under the guise of connection yeah but it's not but it's distancing yeah it's actually making our groups narrower and 
they predicted this a long time ago. I saw a video about this, like, like when Facebook started, they're like, watch, watch what's going to happen. It's going to be like, oh, we like this. And other people are going to say, we like that. And now you guys aren't friends because you like different things. Right. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more isolated and more isolated until everybody's at war with each other, which is kind of what's happening right now. That's true because we're not, we're not truly like connecting with people. Yeah. Saying we're connecting and we're connecting to things, but because it's not person to person, it's easy to objectify because they're just an object on a screen. Yeah. They're not a real person. Yeah. And so you say some really mean things when you're on the internet versus if you were in front of them. Sometimes my friends fight online and I go, if you guys knew each other in real life, you'd be laughing right now. Right. Yeah. Well, or you'd resolve it really quickly quickly yeah instead of it becoming like gloss over it yeah instead of going ah four hours later i i think because people feel safe to express themselves how they really feel that's a good when they can't but it gets out of hand but that's the thing if you if you can't do it in person then you probably shouldn't do it yeah definitely that's definitely a thing that's how i if yeah. I'm going to, cause then it's that passion thing. Like, and then people, yeah. I mean, and you don't know, I've, and I've learned, I didn't used to do this cause I used to get my feelings hurt a lot and I used to get bullied as a child and all kinds of things. And now I realize that like, you know, you have to play the part of a victim to be a victim. Yeah. Um, but I've been like more upfront about when, and on the internet, it happens a lot on the internet. And then I confront people in real life because of internet things. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, you know, how I, I asked I sent you a video and asked to be on your show and you didn't dignify me with even a response of any kind. Like that hurt my feelings. <laughs> like I've said that to people yes. because on the internet, it doesn't, I mean, I can talk trash about them all day on the internet, sure. but that doesn't, what does that solve? What does that help? Nothing. Nothing. And then they don't know how you feel, which right. is what you wanted in the first place. Right. And yeah. Like respect my feelings. I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> I'm a sunflower. So how did you start this Edna in a bottle thing? How long has it been going? How long has it been going? This is a dark story. Um, A year and a half. A lot of my comedy is really dark. Um, It's, I don't know. I went to school for performing arts and social justice. My mom was a probation officer. I watched America's Most Wanted and Cops obsessively as a child. So growing up, like I was forced to volunteer, you know, growing up. So like a lot of these things kind of have built a foundation for me that made me like a social justice warrior as like cheesy as that sounds, but I am, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm super into social issues. I'm like really worried about the homeless. I like do a lot of things for them. And, um, uh, I've made some enemies by be you know doing things by like being that. kind. Yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> weird. People don't like people don't like to be shown up, I guess, or they take it but as it, that. But it isn't as you're trying to help people that don't have. Why would the people that have get butt hurt about you helping somebody, the people that don't? I know somebody online who's homeless. I know a few people who are homeless who are still have Facebook, you know, and they have access to computers and technology. And um, someone just posted recently, like that, a woman yelled at him for getting a slice of cheesecake or you know eating a slice of cheesecake and being homeless and like he was like I don't understand like you want me to suffer because I'm suffering right it makes no sense to me and I was like this will catch up with her she will eventually it will wear on her you can't you can't be that hateful and be happy you know forever anyway um anyway so the show started because um 
I had a lot of suicides in my life from like uh, people who are very, very close to me, all men. And really? Yeah. Uh, for like two years, just they kept coming and coming and coming suicides and, and then just like crazy deaths and like freak accidents and like overdoses. And I was like, oh, my God, murder even. Wow. I was just like, wow, this is really overwhelming. And I, I crawled into a deep, dark hole in my brain and I didn't leave my house for a long time. And then uh, I was offered an opportunity to um, take part in a a competition for the Marsh Theater, Marsh Madness, like two years ago. And I started, I said, okay, like if I plan something, if I get out of the house, like I'll actually like, you know, I'll get out of the get house. Get back to my <laughs> life. Yeah. So, um, Wait, I did. So when, when you were in the house, man, you just went to work, you came home. And I slept and cried and watched weird, sad things on the internet. Wow. Yeah. 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 For like three months. And then I listened to really sad music. Yeah. How did that work when you were at work? Oh my God. I was was just a a shell. Did you just put on a mask? You were just like, I'm even, I just didn't even smile. I was just miserable. I was just sad. Wow. My, even my coworker was like, dude, you have to, in December of that year, he said, you, you have to come out and you have to get back to yourself. This is really hard to watch because you, you were, you come from the background of the clown school, which yeah. seems like a pretty happy place, yeah. which, which we should take that for the show. I yeah. hope you're somewhere. Um, yeah, it was, it was and performing just hard to and... see me, I think to see me not happy and not vibrant and bubbly. Um, but there was nothing I to lost, make you happy. I mean, I if you had it. so many people that you were close to, I actually don't think I've gotten my bubble back since all that happened. Like I'm actually a much darker, more somber person because of this experience Sure, or experiences. And anyway, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of the house. I'm going to commit to this thing. Uh, we placed in this competition. That's great. Yeah. And then in the middle, right the day before my show uh, went up, um, another of my friends committed suicide. <gasps> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, wait, can I say shit? Yeah, you can swear. And uh, this is free speech. 100%. Okay, yeah, great. you can swear. I said uh, to myself, if I don't uh, keep going with this, I'm going to fall back into the hole. So I just like pushed forward did the show which was about death too it was a a comedy show a a fake um live televised um game show of death where we had the the most pathetic um individuals that we found in america like every week we would find three and they would compete to see who was the saddest (laughs) it was called harsh sadness and then at the end we would the audience would vote and it was rigged but the audience would vote and then we would kill off one of the competitors and then the other two could come back for another (laughs) episode if they wanted to die still it was pretty dark but it it had to do with everything that i was going through too so anyway it helped a lot and then after that i said if i if I don't keep going with this, I'm going to just like hide and, and be sad about Wilbert who had just died. And yeah, I said, okay, in May I'm going to plan, I'm going to do, I'm going to get back to sketch comedy. And this time I'm not going to rely on a group that might move or change course on me. And I'm just going to hire new people every month and start this ridiculous show. And it just has kept going. So great. That was, and you started at a different venue because I yeah. I saw your show for the first time when I was at Piano Fight, and it was I guess the second time you'd done it there. I think you saw the, the, first, at the first the first time, time. that wow. I did it there. Wait, was it the Bart one that you saw? Yeah, the yeah, Bart yeah, one. yeah, yeah. That was the first one we did at Piano Fight. So we did it at the Bindery for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, closer um, to your house. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's here for props. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very convenient to walk my stuff over there all the time. But um, yeah, the, we outgrew the space. Um, it's, a good, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm having a harder time filling the bigger space now because it's so much bigger. Right. Um, but it's still um, a great opportunity to, to have it at Piano Fight because we're getting a different audience. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And a year and a half. So what are your mm-hmm. what are your goals with it now? This like, is the 17th installment, this wow. next one. So yeah, I haven't it's one of my done favorite them. numbers. Yeah, I haven't done them consistently like every single month and I have seasons now as of January. Um sorry, what was your question? Um what what's your what's your plan for the show? You just going to use it's it's already growing. It's going to keep growing. You every month you just keep enjoy it, just keep rolling on or Yeah, I'm I'm rolling on. I think um I have worked with enough people that I have like a good crew of people that I like working with. Um, I definitely like introducing new people, but sometimes um, I need the process to go faster and I need people who are more experienced in theater writing and in right. comedy writing sure. and in performing and memorizing. And memorizing. So, yeah. I gotta tell you, I'm so nervous. But Pam's I, in our show. Yay. yay! I'm so excited to be in the show too. And I, I love all the ideas and I'm just hoping that my, because I can memorize things. Obviously I have. Yeah. But the problem is that I have to take my take my comedy out of my head, take all those scripts and be like, dump this section and like fill it with new stuff. And I'm just, I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. I've done, I've done theater for years. I I'm not too worried. Yeah. But you, I was always a dancer and I can remember choreography like crazy. So that's, I used to do that as well. Oh yeah. You look the whole, and that you've got the clown thing and I look like like a dancer. dancer. Absolutely. You look like a modern dancer. Oh wow. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I dance at drum and bass shows every Sunday. Every Sunday. Well, I didn't go the last two weeks because my foot's injured, but yeah, usually. So dancing is your other, like, you get it yeah, out. Yeah, it's you my just, hobby. It's your hobby. Mm-hmm. Dance, dance revolution. I love dance. It's the only way that I um, exercise. I don't like the gym. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Well, that's, the gym is another place where it's like people either meet or don't meet or have clicks or don't have clicks. I don't want to sweat around other people. <laughs> I don't know. I always just, if I, if I feel like I really need to work out, I go running. Do yeah. some push-ups, some sit-ups. Yeah, I like, like I like stuff without machines involved personally for yeah. exercise. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't like the activities that force you to do things you don't like to do. Why would I waste my life doing things I don't want to do? <laughs> that makes I, no sense to me. I feel the same way. Um people keep in my I keep getting older and it sucks, but there are certain things that I'm not astute at. Like I'm not real great with computers. Okay. I've learned enough that I can do what I have to do, like for easy updating. And, but I'm not. And you just learned Google Drive, which is I really cool. I just learned Google Drive. <laughs> so I didn't know. And people go, well, you should learn this. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend time learning things that I don't have an aptitude toward or that make me angry, frustrated, and sad. So like, I don't yeah. like spending time in front of a computer. So I'd rather do anything else. And when I hang out with kids, people are like, oh God, you're so good at that. How do you do that? And I'm like. I don't look at screens. The right. easiest thing is just to interact with them. Yeah. And it's so hard for people. They just give them a screen and it's like they're children. That's bad parenting. Yeah. They don't need a screen ever. Like you can give them. They a, need a outdoors. Of, they need yeah. to look at insects. And... Give them a cup of dirt and like a rock yeah. and they're going to figure something out. Oh my God. They will. Yeah, absolutely. But we put them behind a screen and then 
I wasn't allowed to play outside for a while, like as huh. a child. So I'm like obsessed with insects and like anything outside. I mean, I, I don't. it was dangerous. Why wouldn't they let you out? They just didn't want me to get dirty. It's oh. weird. It sucks. Cause I missed out on all the childhood stuff. What um, about camp? Did you ever go to summer camp? Yeah, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like gritty. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like very protected. <laughs> A lot of indoor activities. Really? <laughs> yeah. Except Even for like camp. canoeing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a lot of planting trees or anything like that. I never really got in the dirt until my mom asked me to plant tulips when I was like 15. Wow. Yeah. Weird, huh? Like no, I didn't well, touch dirt till I was 15. We all that, have oh, weird things like so that. I had never eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich until I was 16. What? My, my, my parents both grew up with parents of the depression. And yeah. so they were like, uh, not they, when they became wealthy people, they were like, our children will never have to do what we did when oh, we were kids. Oh, that's ridiculous. And yeah. so like, they'll never, they'll never have to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. That's my family didn't like bell bottoms. I was obsessed with them and they wouldn't let me wear them because when they were poor, they wore bell bottoms and everyone who was poor wore bell bottoms in the seventies. Huh. I was like, yeah, they're awesome. Please give them to me. Yeah. Like, give no, me all your clothes. No. Also the Cholas wear bell bottoms and that's like low status and we don't want you to be low status. And I was like, they're hot. Please give me the bell bottom right so now look at all i wear is bell no, they're great they're the the, the, the velour and no blue it's velour these are velvet, velvet. oh they're velvet Wait. they're gorgeous yeah um but they're um i mean the 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 dirt thing is is funny because like i don't have a lot of time to be outside but once i am in my yard I'll spend, I think I spent on accident eight hours planting succulents and just like, like spending time in the yard to try to fix it. And I lost track of time because I was so obsessed with it. Right. But I'm not very good at it. Like I don't have a green thumb and that's not my fault necessarily, but But I'm trying. All humans, I mean, don't we have a an impetus to cultivate. I think that's where art comes from is that the only thing that man, well, woman, woman literally creates, we can create life. We can have that happen. That's pretty amazing. But then man, what can he create? Labor. What can he make? Houses, food, stuff. But man is in man and woman. Like we, we as humans constantly want to create. And I think that that impetus is in us because if we didn't, we'd die because we wouldn't be able to eat because we have to be finding. But then that's where, Americans, we've broken down this system of humanity because everything's done for us. We don't have to make butter. Like, we're like, oh, I have to, oh, I made my own toast. Like, we don't even have to make our own toast. <laughs> There's a place on Geary Street, two blocks away from me, with $7 motherfucking toast. $7 toast. What is happening? They don't even make their own butter. I'm like, how is this? Wait, that's all they put on is butter? They have like, and there's like jam or something it's it's the toast place and the coffee is all like five six dollars a cup and the toasts are like six seven eight dollars come on and this is on (laughs) geary in the tenderloin yeah and there's a line no you know i feel that line (gasps) we have oh oh yeah you didn't see the show last month we i've had two shows uh based around lines Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We love to wait in line. I see lines and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what that's the line for. Should I get in it? No, I don't want to get in that line. No, that was a whole show last January, (laughs) a a year ago, exactly. We did a show uh, called New Year, New Meme. And most of the show was 
what are you in line for? Should I get in line? Yeah. And it was like, so oh, funny. what is this line for? And then everyone had a different idea of what the line was for. And then at the end, it wasn't what anybody thought. It was <laughs> completely different. And then so it was... It ended up being like this guy who just started a line for no reason because he was resisting <laughs> popular culture. And he's like, no, this is this is a line to go nowhere. That's what I started it for. And I was like, oh, boo. <laughs> I just wasted all this time. But the, we we have so much time because we don't have to murder our own food and we really don't have to cook our own food anymore. I mean, I like to cook my own food, but there's so many things that we used to have to do. Yeah that now are just sort of taking care of it for us. So we have all this extra time yeah. to, you know, to be bad, to binge watch <laughs> stupid television. And I think it's great that some people are creating television. That's a great job. I'm glad they're doing it. Actors, directors, lighting designers, all that stuff. Awesome. But the rest of us that yeah. are consuming, just vapidly yeah. consuming everything, food, resources, TV, drugs, you name it. We, we we have so much time which we is only why, have time to be depressed which is why i want like the world to crumble yeah <laughs> because i want us to get back to what's essential here there'll be less mass murderers and all kinds of things if we don't have you know so time. much time yeah and if you and if you're worried about eating and yeah. feeding yourself and your you're family you're not gonna worry about what other people think exactly yeah it's, and, it's, and how it's different than how you think and yeah, it's just so silly. This whole and and status. I I also can't wait for the upcoming apocalypse. That's that's where my skills are really going to shine. It's in my calendar. <laughs> what, what dates have you picked? I I actually um, my new seasons are um, are labeled as uh, December, January, February, um, uh, winter apocalypse. <laughs> And then the next three months are summer or spring apocalypse. And the next three months are summer apocalypse. And I'm skipping fall because that's when the actual apocalypse will happen. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> no, that's good to know because I'm, I'm really, I can't wait for it. I'm really excited. Just a solar flare to knock out all of our electricity. And then, I mean, I don't have a smartphone, so I don't give a fuck. And you'll be fine. I'll be fine. But everyone else, those the, the little <laughs> snowflakes. It'll be like the last day with the Mexican. Or yeah, they'll be like, I can't eat. What do I do? I can't order door. How oh do I survive? <laughs> My batteries are going. Like people are gonna figure out. They're like, "There's got to be solar for the thing." I know. And that worries me though, because I actually don't have food in my yard. I only have succulents, and I can't eat those. There, there's so much um, food around San Francisco, though. You'd be surprised how many. I mean, nasturtiums. I got rid of the tree, the fruit trees. They don't have fruit trees on the street anymore because they don't want rodents coming in the. Right, and they they make a big mess and all that stuff. But there's um, nasturtiums you can eat. That's true. A flower, a little and a yellow thing. flower. Yeah, and sometimes they're orange. And there's the fennel. Wild fennel grows yeah, everywhere. I do have wild wild fennel, but it's so bitter as it's been there for ages. Yeah, there's but there's four. There's all. I mean, I. I'm not too worried when the, when the power goes out and everything goes down. Yeah. None of the lawyers from Walnut Creek will be coming into their apartment to their, um, you know, workplaces here. So I can take over one of those, <laughs> you know, yeah. build a big old, big old pigeon coop <laughs> on the top. Rights. Squatters rights. That's what people are talking about doing right now is that's how they're co- to combat so the homelessness. There's so many empty spaces right now that are just being traded on the black market and nobody's saying anything about it and they just keep selling and reselling and selling and reselling and meanwhile everybody's on the street dying and meanwhile four uh, women and their children were kicked out of an apartment by like a tank the other day a tank Why? yeah I don't know some Ellis Act thing and they it was just 
rougher than it needed to be. And, but people are talking about actually starting to take over these buildings and just say squatters rights. Yeah. If there's, I mean, I mean, yeah, if you live there for six months, I think you can technically call it your address. Wow. Yeah. It's just, when does the, when, when does the man come down and how, how can they, I mean, Really, there's 8,500 8, questionably housed people in yeah. the city. There's not that many police. I know. That's true. If, man, if they were, if they formed a gang. Right? They'd have a, a mansion right now. Exactly. Yeah. Because there could be, I mean, how do you organize? But some of them are not well enough to form a gang. Exactly. You know? No, I've, hey, I live in the Tenderloin. I've yeah. seen it. It's, it's scary sometimes only because I know that those are, they're people. Oh yeah, somewhere in there. They're people, and something happened, mm-hmm. and then something else happened, and now, and once you get to a certain place, I mean, you said you couldn't get out of your house. What if you didn't even have a house to get out of? <laughs> like that yeah. would be even if it was like, yeah. I know. I have to. Every time I get like in one of my little like down down places, I have to think. Like I have to be grateful. I have hot and cold running water. Yep. And a toilet. Yeah. And they don't have that in Mexico all the time. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah. I remember even as a child, I was, you know, I was raised in America, but, you know, I had family in Mexico and we would go visit them. I remember going to Monterrey and my great aunt had a bathroom that was just like a, it was a toilet, but it didn't flush. So you just like pooped into like this hole that just went down into the earth. Yeah. And that was so weird to me. I had no idea that people lived like that, but that's sure. real, you know? Absolutely. Not everybody has wealth. We have lots of wealth here. And, Even the poor people have wealth. And that's how I think of it too, is that yeah. like, I'm, I'm not wealthy, but I, I still am. Like, yeah. cause living in the most expensive city in the world and oh my God, being able yeah. to survive here and eat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So what are your, uh, back to Edna in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, how do you cast your people? You just, they come to you, you come to them, you put it out. Yeah, I put it out. Um, I, because I went to clown school here and mime school, I knew a lot of people already and they knew a lot of people. And so I just started asking around. I had like a list of maybe 50 people that I wrote originally and maybe 10 people were like, I'm interested. And then like 10 more people were like, I'm interested for like later, not right now. Or other people were like, I'd like to do something, but not write sketches. Um, so I just started building this little like, um, uh, this list that started growing and growing and then people would see the show and go, that's really cool. And then refer. And then, um, it was this last year that, um, people started, uh, coming from the audience and saying, I'd like to maybe do this. Wow. And I went, wow, that's never happened before. Cool. Yeah. I'd totally love to have you. And so I don't, I don't ever choose like three new people to theater, um, and put them all in one show. Um, but I'll have like one experienced person, maybe two that are newer, um, or one less experienced, one more experienced. And then I'll do, uh, you know, two people sometimes. Um, and then we'll like mentor the third, um, who is like less experienced and it ends up working out pretty nicely. 
uh yeah it's been a it's been a fun ride i mean you've seen the process of writing yeah. is really cool once you get in a room with three people who are all creative fun people and all have similar experiences like just ideas start flying shooting off the walls yeah it's i mean it's been amazing i'm I, I love being on stage. It's just going to be. And you're <laughs> such a fast writer. Oh, I noticed. Thanks. I was like, wow, I've never had somebody in my group like write me so quickly. Like, I, here's my idea. It's like the next day she had two emails. Like, here are my show ideas. And here, they, here are the lines for them. I was like, wow, that's amazing. You had I, a song written. I mean, the whole thing. I just uh, had to do it then because my life is so compartmentalized and busy that it's like... Yeah every hour and and actually it's funny I do better when every hour is scheduled because mm -hmm. like oh no I'm not working doing something cool and creative what else am I gonna do yeah but I have a li like sometimes I'm making my pot bread and sometimes I'm <laughs> doing like I try not to fall into like, it's so easy to just turn off and watch Netflix sure and but, but you must schedule time for that too. You have to rest sometimes. I, I, tr I try, but um, right now there's really, really, I just finished The Sopranos. It took me oh a long God. time. It took me a long time, but I, I'd never seen it. Wow. I'd never, I'd never seen The Sopranos. So I was like, my boyfriend and I were like, we should watch this. Yeah. And so it became once, you know, once you watch a show for a while, the first season's really good. And then it sort of becomes like a soap opera. Yeah. And you're like, oh, look, it's just like a soap opera. So I kind of used I double dipped I'd use that time as work time okay and I do like vapid work things yes yeah while I list sort of listen sure. to it so that I'm feel like I'm double dipping and I don't feel like I'm such a bad person yeah because it's a lot sense. of hours I know you'll lose them too and it goes so fast like the way that I lose track of time when I'm gardening I lose this track of time when I'm watching something especially just I'll binge it I'll go okay well I'm invested now here's another eight hours of my life dedicated to the uh, United States of Terra or whatever <laughs> that's <laughs> obsessed <laughs> yeah I think I watched that in like uh two weekends like just sure three days of just non-stop watching build it for that now but that's the thing is that it goes against our human nature because we want to knit or garden or bake or spend time with friends or yeah and instead it's like i'm turned off now here i go yeah so they're like building that but then that's the weird thing is rather than find community outside ourselves and in the world interacting with it i almost feel like i know these people and then it's like i'm friends with <laughs> an object or something you know yeah. or i've like i really know well, that that's really kind of them. like playing dolls isn't it sure <laughs> sure except that less creative because you're not yeah yeah you're not telling the story right it's being told it's being told yeah and you're telling the story I, and you made up i mean i'm glad you were a pathological a pathological liar as a child because you've come up with great ideas and the, I'm su super excited sometimes, for this show. And then, you know, sometimes we get people like Lucian who like have uh, even more amazing ideas and are like, here's the idea. And now it's like a whole show. And yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and I love uh, creating with other people too. I think that's what's um, making me flourish as an artist. Yeah. If I just did this by myself, I don't think I would get as many good ideas. Yeah, it's hard be to become, it's like um, when you pull out of your own well, you have to continue filling the well to pull it out. And if it's yeah. just you alone, then it's like, how do you even fill it? It's because everything I do sort of starts to sound the same. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do solo work as well. And I write a lot of monologues and um, perform them as characters. And they tend to all have the same um, base connection, which is that they're all very lonely. <laughs> but I, right I, mean, I think that everyone is. And sure, so like, I, I truly believe that. And so I'm that's that's the message that's coming through. But say if. I wrote a monologue with somebody else who had a different understanding of how humans worked. I think it would be a completely different monologue and it'd probably be more interesting. And people would go, wow, I really love this new character of yours. It's totally different from the other ones. I'd go, yeah, probably because someone else wrote it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's close on this. What's the scariest or worst thing that's ever happened during one of your shows? Like a light falling or like somebody's completely forgetting their model. Like what was this the worst where you were just like okay. hand palm? Oh no. Okay. I remember. Um, it was la- it was November of the first year we were doing it. So like two, two Novembers ago, um, uh, it was a Thanksgiving episode and we were at the dinner table and I was the mom and, uh, John flaw was the dad. And then, uh, Michael Penza was the son and Lars is a clown who just moved to, to L.A. He was the turducken. <laughs> Sorry, turdicken. <laughs> so he was dressed in a giant inflatable dick costume that he had with balls attached, which we had already used for a prior like uh, scene where we like it was an advertisement um, <laughs> to like to let balls roam freely. It was like free ball ranch, um, like trying to make like sell organic like dicks anyway. It's great. <laughs> so then he ends up being the meal in the future and uh, he comes back from the, the distant future as we're about to cut him open to eat. And like, is supposed to tell us like warn us about the future that we, this is the last turdicken ever and we can't eat him because it'll change the course of life for forever. And uh, we're like all very hungry. And so we're like <laughs> wanting to eat him very badly. He forgets why we can't eat him so he blanks on stage and is just like stuttering and i have to go like well spit it out tell us why tell us why or we're gonna eat you basically and he was like uh 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 and the well and then i knew the monologue a little bit because i had written it for him but i didn't have it memorized right, because right. i had other things to worry of course. about so i just started uh asking him things that kind of pointed toward the a monologue and he didn't end up finishing it and then we just ended up eating him anyway <laughs> so so you just changed the end of the play we kind of changed it yeah that's great yeah you just had to roll with it you just had to improv it out yeah what it was, was the- terrifying because the i just expected him to remember it and i kept giving him chances and then when he did it i was like all right we got to step in here and change it yeah it <laughs> happens sometimes improv yeah improv that's amazing well i'm super excited uh edna in a bottle everyone you can see it you can buy tickets right now it's a piano fight on thursday the 24th at 10 no and- thursday the 23rd oh yeah thursday the 23rd at 10 i have no idea what the days are in and my life the- friday and friday the, the 31st, 31st at, also 10 at 10 at piano, piano fight. fight and the tickets are on eventbrite 
com. You can look up Edna in a Bottle. And the title of this month's show is Time Trek, The Next Generation. Yay. And you should, um, I know Facebook is dying, but you should still follow Edna in a Bottle on Facebook. Yeah. I'm also on Instagram under my company, Potatoes Mashed Comedy. Potatoes Mashed. That's what I needed to tag. Mashed. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much Thanks for, for being having here. me, and Pam. I can't wait for people to come see the show Yay. and to see how it all turns out and to have rehearsal and all that stuff. Thanks for being on Some Call Me Tim. You're welcome. And then we say, we put that up. Yeah, so this was another episode of Some Call Me Tim. Again, go check her out at Nana Bottle online at Piano Fight. I'm sure it's on their schedule as well. Yep. It's right during Sketchfest, too, or right it after Sketchfest. That's why we changed the dates. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, we, it's there's a lot of things at Sketchfest happening in Piano Fight, and ours yeah. is sort of around that. Yay. So call it Sketchfest. Yay! <laughs> and then a bottle. Uh, hey, see you guys next week here on Something Call Me Tim, Mutiny Radio. your boy Sifo here here to let you know that the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Claw Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Claw Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Enter Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go 
to MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Gold Cadillac with the white material. Right and I started to do some thinking. I was on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four ninety-nine. 
Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at Subliminal SF dot myshopify.com that's subliminal sf dot myshopify.com and experience subliminal sf tired of paying too much for your internet contracts and hidden fees got you down Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays. Taco Tuesdays. 
First Wednesday live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties, the food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cost. When it's two o'clock on a Wednesday, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about what people believe in, what makes them tick, why we're on this planet. Some call me Tim. Here on Mutiny Radio, I am joined today by comedian. Sommier, bearded dude, Kelly Evans. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Hi. Also, great radio voice. Excited to have you here. <laughs> Why? Thank you. On Some call me Tim. Uh, the reason we call the show we, as in me, as in the Queen. The reason I call the show Some Call Me Tim is from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and the Enchanter, and they say, "What is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color?" And then the guy's like blowing things up. <laughs> And then they say, some call me Tim. So that's why the name of the show, because people seem to be in search for the meaning and the answer to life and all this kind of stuff. And I'm interested in why people stay alive and why, what they believe in their afterlife and how they were raised and are they moral and what is morality and... Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And whatever you believe in. I mean, we had a guy in here who talked, Warhol Kaufman talked for cons- about conspiracy theories for 60 minutes. He talked oh. about why the moon landing is false. And I was like, all right, if that's what you believe in, buddy, I'm going with you. Let's go. All right. That's, yeah. Take the Alternative. train. Alternative. <laughs> yeah. Someone last night tried to uh, convince me of the uh, 
the flat earth theory and I was Holy like shit. I was like girlfriend I love you but you got to get off that cocaine okay <laughs> it's like I just don't I don't get that I don't I understand don't how that happens I mean please we People know are looking for something right. to believe in so much you know or not believe in you know yeah like, when reality is this terrifying, I think some people just want to question it at all, you know? And so that's where stuff like that comes up. Like, sure. you just, you look at the world around you and it's confusing. And so you're like, all right, well, it's just, let's, I want simpler answers. And the simplest answer is I'm being lied to. It's a conspiracy. The simplest answer is I'm being lied to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, a, like a renunciation sure. of complexity, which I think was why there's like an anti-science movement in this country, you know? It's just easier... It's like an easier solution to say that, uh, you know, uh, it's flat earth and, you know, with almost like I, the, the, I don't know, the reasoning behind it is very questionable and kind of simplistic uh, versus facing the reality that science is complicated, that scientists don't really know uh, everything and that part of science is experimenting and finding out new things that are uh, maybe somewhat frightening, like the atomic bomb, or things like that. Well... Things fall at 9.8 meters per second squared, and we call it gravity, but why? It's like, because we're tilted on this axis at this certain degree, and we're spinning this one direction as this going around this other thing, like that there's the concept of like orbital science and mass, and it, I mean, it's all very heady stuff, but yeah. people have figured it out, and I, I, I guess they figured it out. Maybe we're all just lying to each other. We're like, oh, man, I think I figured it out. Could all be a simulation. How much? Oh, right. All right, Matrix. So usually, Kelly Evans, I ask people to look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I ask you first, mm -hmm. do you believe in Jesus? Uh, as a person, yes. As a divine person, no. He was a guy who walked the earth. Yeah. He's a guy that was there who had, uh, you know, maybe some strong philosophical ideas at a time when uh, there were two very potent power structures between uh, the Hebrew uh, organized religion and the Roman uh, military. And, you know, Interesting. He was a pacifist. He brought out new ideas about that we should all get along. The poor man is king. You know, which right. are all really enticing if you have a boot on your neck. And so, sure. you know, you got to think like, uh, I heard a comedian recently talk about like, oh, is Neil Brennan talking about how um, like, we killed him <laughs> and he's like his ideas weren't even that complex it's like treat other people like you want to be treated like that seems like a really obvious idea so i mean it's understandable that people would want to make him define i mean and th they went to great lengths to make him seem more magical than he really was I mean, the Romans at the time, they were really brutal. Crucifixion is a horrible way to die. Not yeah. just because it, and a lot of people are confused. They're like, well, they put the nails in Jesus' hands and feet and then they hung them on a cross. That yes. wasn't the stuff that kills you in crucifixion. You suffocate because of the way that you're hanged. They even give you a little foothold yep. so that you can sort of be alive for a little bit until you're not strong enough and you give up and then you asphyxiate. Yep. Your lungs like collapse on itself and that you take a breath and then you let it out and you can't take in another breath. Yeah. And so you People died horrible deaths. Horrible. For no, for, for what reason? Because someone stole something? Yeah. Because, like, or, I mean, I think burning is also a pretty bad right. way to Drawn go. Drawn and quartered. Oof. 
Have you heard what that is? Yeah, they put horses on one. Oh, it's more than that. They do like, they cut out your entrails. They keep you alive. They hang you. They cut you up. They, it's like, it's like uh, everything you could possibly do to a person. I thought and it then, was when they tied a horse to each one of your extremities and then the horses ran in different directions. That's what I thought too, but that's like a small part of it. It's much more, they like cut out your heart while you're still alive. Like it's really, it's very intense. <laughs> I mean, but it wasn't even for like human sacrifice. We get all down on the Aztecs for making walls of, you know, human skulls and shit and yeah. and for doing human sacrifice. And yet they were at least killing people for a purpose. Like it was to make the sun to god. Yeah. Right. To them, to yeah. make the crops go and to make everybody live. You had to kill some people. There's part of religion right there. <laughs> right, right. But that's like the basic but then but when we when we kill people in such a horrific fashion, like what we did to the witches or what we what we did to traitors or I mean the all that stuff, all of those torture devices that were used yeah. in the the Catholic Church was using torture devices against not only witches but Muslims yeah. during the Crusades and they would I mean, the Iron Maiden is like a thing with spikes in it that Ugh. you put it. It's like a helmet with spikes in it that they put on your head. So you're like, or in your whole body, you get inside it. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I was actually yeah. thinking about this outside, kind of talking about uh, the horrible things that we do to one another uh, <laughs> for whatever reasons. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about religion like, uh, oh, well, religion's caused so many wars or religion has caused uh, so much order for society. And I was like, I think religion was just one way to do it. I mean, I, I, it's not like if we didn't have religion, we wouldn't find some other reason to torture or kill each other. It would be over land or some whatever. You know, we found plenty of ways, you know, to to do that and it you know i would say overall in the last couple hundred years um like worldwide violence has been reducing poverty has been reducing it's still a long way to go obviously um but like in a time when i think religion is on a decline kind of globally you know what i mean in some respects like there's a scientific element that kind of dominates society more at least western at least society. western sure i i i can agree with the there aren't as many. Well, and also we're in San Francisco, so it's impossible to tell what's really like the the pulse of people's moralistic standpoint. Oh, I try to read world news, which is once again like who knows what you're really getting. Well, yeah. and when you have a moralistic standpoint, it's like where are you coming from? And for me, I try to keep it deeply personal, but a lot of times it somehow gets extended into something somebody else is doing is evil. But is it really any of your business? Like, why are we calling out? The, it's the biblical thing of why t uh, take the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck of your brother's eye. You know, you're yeah. like, I mean, I get the, hey, you got something over there on your face. And it's like, you got this huge thing in your face. Yeah. 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 You know? I mean, that's, I think that's a, a theme you see is, you know, uh, you know, those who live in glass houses shouldn't cast stones. Um, but, you know, regarding j judging others, I, kind of getting into a different territory, uh, I I'm a utilitarian by nature, so I think greatest good for the greatest amount of people, which unfortunately means some people lose out. That does happen. But, you know, more people win. I don't want to say use the term winning. I hate that term. More people uh, are able to kind of thrive in life uh, than uh, with any other possible way that we know of. So if you had that age-old question of you've got one person on the tracks and if you can flip the switch either that one person dies or the entire train dies you're killing the one person yeah even well, if it's someone you know let's say your mom's on the tracks or there's a train full of you there's a thousand people on a train yeah well there's and you can either kill your mom or you can 
You can kill your mom and have the thousand people live, or you can have the train derail and keep your mom. What do you choose? Yeah, well, uh, there's two ways that that question is asked. It's like the one is, you know, like my mom's on the tracks, and uh, if I do nothing, then she'll get run over. But if I move the switch, then the train full of people will go off a cliff or something. And the other way that they phrase that is, um, like, you can stop the train <laughs> theoretically by pushing somebody in front of it. Um, um, and then save all those people, but you would intentionally murder someone uh, oh. to do it. So that's that's the it's well I hate the save your mom. It's the fat man in the trolley is what it's called. It's sure. a moral uh, dilemma. Uh, anyway, it, theoretically, there's this gigantic man that would be able to stop this train and say, anyway. I'm a sizist, so I say kill that fat fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, I mean, as far as like if my mom's on the tracks, you know, uh, I love you, mom, but I, you know, I got it's it's a hard decision it's to make. For the, it's for the it's for the thousand people. But a thousand people is a lot of people that die just for one. I mean, I would make that sacrifice myself. You know, if I'm on the tracks, I would not expect anybody to save my life and dispel of you know another thousand individuals. I mean, even maybe, five more people. Maybe you know? that's the most moralistic answer to the story: is push your mom out of the way and have yourself die. The yeah. self, the sacrifice. That's what Jesus would do. There you go. And then he'd turn the other cheek. He'd Amen. resurrect and he'd do it again. <laughs> I don't have that ability. No, though. I don't do any. Or maybe we do. I, I mean, who knows? Only one way to find out, right? Right. <laughs> like the afterlife is, does it, I mean, that, that collectively we all sort of, and we don't all sort of want to believe in an afterlife. There's so many different religions that choose, you know, different scenarios for what happens after our earthly demise. And I don't fucking understand. I don't know what happens to, I, I mean, consciousness is weird because I sleep a lot. And yeah. I'm unconscious, and I'm drunk a lot. Oh, but my yeah. body's still awake and going when I'm drunk. I just don't. My my brain's not creating memories. So where did I go? Well, that, was that, I there? Right. This is an interesting idea. I think about this a lot because I'm I'm honest. To be honest, I'm terrified of death at this point. I'm getting more comfortable with it uh, as I get a little bit older. Um, but uh, I'm just I, it's and it's not so much being dead. It's like the transition that scares me. You know. Right. Right. And then like where where is the line? Like if I get hit by a car and then I lose like a good portion of brain functioning like am i still me like what happens to me like what what is that you know and then so i you know i would consider myself uh, god I, I i deist probably i believe that there's some sort of creative force in the universe but there's no possible way we could ever understand it or if there is an intention i mean intention is something that we assign to will which i just don't know if that's really applicable in this situation anyway so intelligent design you believe in intelligent design you think that there's something out there that is a created the cogs that make the wheels turn i believe in evolution i believe in science i believe in the big bang but i believe that uh there's some sort of force behind that you know and but what that is i have no idea so a I would, giant I would, black hole yeah it could be that yeah it <laughs> could, could be, be that could be i mean the thing is there's so much that we don't understand about the world around us physical reality like this is we we have like a sliver of perception of what's really going on and to think that like we could understand like the forces behind that are at work it just makes no sense now when people assign will to that is like that's you want sure which you know people use that for different reasons some of them are productive i guess well yeah that makes me think about projecting your own will that's like satanism kind of stuff like whatever you believe is real and you anything you create you like selfishness is the ultimate goal 
because you mm. ultimately have to serve yourself and rather than the rather than the group of the whole do you find do you find yourself in your life trying to thinking about service and thinking about helping other people or or do you feel more like you're taking care of yourself and that's that's it that's all you need I think it varies on the day, you know, I, I, I want to try to help others in whatever way I can and the moments that I have an opportunity. But uh, yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself is a struggle. You know, I'm, you know I don't have like a really uh, great safety net, you know, like I don't have a rich family or uh, anyone I can kind of go back home like and I'm not going back to Texas. So <laughs> I refuse back. to do that, you know, not going back. So yeah, a, yeah. You need a, a costume. You'd need a MAGA hat. You'd need, you'd <laughs> yeah, I'm going undercover. Yeah, you'd have to shave your beard or make it bigger and you'd have to get a MAGA yeah. hat and uh, Zach Wiseman uh, is in the house hey, he, he looks Zach. like he has something to say nope okay. all right he's good just to gonna see come you. sit gonna hang down out. good to see you hey hello uh so are you uh are you in a relationship with any people are you I am actually you yeah. are so I'm you do think about other people on a on a yeah basis. no no, no. and that's what I'm saying relationships like, you're in you know I, I guess what I'm trying to differentiate between is like the small things I can do. Like I, uh, I periodically have conversations with, uh, you know, a group of people that I'm friends with and like if somebody's down or there's some sort of conflict. I want to try to help out to resolve that and like get everybody to get along and, you know, so we can all be the great people that we are without getting hung up on like small things that don't really matter in the long run. Uh, Voice so, of reason, Kelly Evans. Uh, dropping in like an angel. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'd go that far. All right. Anyway, uh, but like... As far as the world at large, like, uh, admittedly, am I uh, volunteering at a homeless shelter? No, I could do more. You know, I could. And I feel that. And, that, you know, honestly, I do feel guilty sometimes that I don't do more. I think that you should really go on a pilgrimage into the Tenderloin and find that person with a space bag and take away that space bag of Franzia and replace it with a nice 97 Clodoval. <laughs> yeah. You can take the Franzia That's... out of their hand and you can replace it with even, you know, like. Doing God's work. Doing God's work, giving them the better wine. You know what I mean? Like it's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Yeah, what year? Fine, eighty-nine. You know, mm. was that was that a good year? I hey, I like sure. Ninety-five was a really great year for Clodoval Cabernet. I enjoyed it nice. very much. It's an expensive bottle. It's good. Yeah. It's a long time ago now. Shit is pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. But you know, here's here's my special deal. This is somebody on the bacon the other day was like, Sue, so when you're going to Napa, like, tell me some wine. Oh, it was broke ass Stewart. Tell me some wineries that you like really like to go to in Napa. And I said, the downtown Napa Safeway. <laughs> That's exactly where you fucking go. Every time I go to Napa, I don't actually go wine tasting anymore yeah. because I went to Clodeval a long time ago and I had two free. Pa- One of our buddies had passes from something. And so we, they were like $50. It's like 50 bucks to taste there now, right? And then they give you like a discount on your bottle of wine or whatever. But the, it was a $52 bottle of Cabernet. And and then we went to Safeway and the same exact bottle, same exact vintage was 32 And if you bought six bottles of any wine, you got 20% off. So you could logistically fuck the wineries, go to go to the Safeway in the middle of Napa, and right next door yeah. is the BevMo, and you can actually have a fun time. It's actually a fun afternoon, because not yeah. only do both places have wine tastings, they have extensive, extensive selections, and then you can compare prices from store to store and actually get the better deal. Yeah, yeah. And okay. it's great stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I just want to add something to this, because this is something I do as a career, uh, or as a job, whatever you want to look at it as. Um, I think it's 
like Napa, God, Napa is like such a weird microcosm of a very large world of wine. And I don't want people to think it represents like how most wine is produced. Cause like most wine in the world, you know, you go to like some small producer, it's their house, you know, it's like what their family's been doing for a long time. You know, they're kind of scraping by, they're not making tons of money. They're down to earth people. They'll invite you in, they'll feed you some charcuterie, you know, they'll pour some awesome wine. That's like, you know, whatever they have around. And that's how, you know, it's not bougie. It's not like, you know, kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think there's just been so much money infused in Napa that it's like now the only people who have wineries or can buy wineries there now are like CEOs of Doritos or former tech millionaires. And so you get that in there and then, you know, money changes a lot of things. Sonoma's a little better depending on where you go, especially if you get out to the coast. Like you just, there are good people out there. That's why I don't really like pursue the career with that much force anymore is because it's like, I just don't want to wade through all the kind of uh ridiculous uh myopic like uber rich people that like that's all that they're just kind of like oh oakland is scary why would you go there yeah right well dry creek valley i always enjoyed very much and healdsburg kind of the northern sonoma e areas yeah Yeah. why what but what but i almost i almost got into selling wine in my early 30s uh being a wine merchant for a large distributor what what made you go and I love fucking wine, but what made you go like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a sommelier. Uh, ooh, yeah. I, you know, I'm the type of person that takes a little bit of a backstory. I'm the type of person who's like, I've, I float around between a lot of things. Like, what do I want to do? You know, like in college, of course, like a lot of people, I pursued a lot of different interests. Uh, I was originally working towards a degree in political science and history, and <laughs> wanted to work. Make in- money someday. So you dumped that shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Some people actually are idealists. At least I was an idealist at the time. You know, I want... I know, I know. (laughs) He booed at me. You got a boo. I got a boo. Uh, But, you know, like, I was insane. I was really, like... If you talked to me, like, you would have been like, you are way too intense. Like, you got to calm down a bit. Uh, Because I was, About history and politics and about about, civil rights. Yeah, and, like, changing the world and, like, that, you know, the economic structure is not fair to people having, you know, grown up in a household that you know struggled with debt especially and then you know buying food and whatever um you know like it's a personal thing for me and so i felt like as an intelligent person it was my responsibility to like sacrifice my own happiness in order to help others but you know, well, that's you, very Jesus-like. Yeah, it was a bit extreme at the time. Uh, but I, I, oh, you but can't that's su- so nice. You were trying yeah. to save everybody. But it's I, you can't sustain that because I wasn't happy and I was eating, I was popping Vicodins like Tic Tacs, oh. and so I had a problem. You know, you were and, giving so much of yourself that you weren't giving yourself anything. Exactly. I crashed and burned, and and then I went back to the restaurant industry because I've worked in and out of the restaurant industry since I was 18. And uh, yeah, you know, I just like after kind of like basically hitting rock bottom and like dissolving my identity you know i was like rebuilding that i kind of stumbled into it and you have to uh, back up what happened there uh, i mean what is rock bottom for you were you it was the vicodin was the opiates uh it went way further than that i won't get into too much detail but let's just say like i burned through like ten thousand in about six months that's like a lot of my student loan money that i took out i uh I like had a falling out with some friends that kind of like basically in between that and like. But it was drugs. It wasn't gambling or something like that. No, it was drugs. It was, it was drugs. drugs. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, which because because you were trying to escape from something. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, like a lot of people, I think that's the case. You know, I just wanted to feel good. I think especially with opiates, it started as like, I have anxiety problems and it started as the one thing I was like, oh, wow, that just like, I'm not anxious at all. I'm comfortable. I can talk to people. I'm friendly. I'm fun. Like just things are popping off the top of my head, you know, like I should be able to do when I can like ease my uptightness. Um, And then it just, then I, because of what was happening in my life and realizing that I didn't want to pursue this career in politics, I didn't like the people that I was quote-unquote friends with. Um, I realized that they weren't really going to have my back. And then, like, a longtime friend kind of betrayed me for a girl that I dated in high school. Like, high school love story, whatever. You, you're just a drama magnet. I know, I know. Yeah, well, you know, that's, I guess, my personality. Uh, I am an Aries. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, right. I don't know what that means. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, just everything kind of, like, clicked in at the same point, And I just went off the deep end. And I had some, I had a couple people that I used to work with who were, like, kind of in that world. And so I went very, very deep and uh, uh, went to jail very <gasps> briefly. Really? Yeah, I got deferred adjudication, luckily enough. Um, I still have an arrest on my record, but I can get it expunged. I'm telling a lot right now. Yeah, you are. Hey, I have, hey. I've been arrested. Ain't no shame in the game. No, I, no, 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 I yeah. had a DUI. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things yeah. happen. But I still had, uh, you know, it was it took like another year before I really like, you know, my mom had a brain aneurysm and I realized like I may have Whoa. to be responsible. Yeah, I have a little sister too. So I was like, I maybe have to be responsible for another person. Sure. Like I need to get my shit together. Oh, aneurysms are so weird. They come out of nowhere. One of my buddies, crazy. One yeah. of my buddies was 42 and he died of an aneurysm. He was alive and then his wife found him dead. Nothing, no change. He just, she came home and he was slumped over his computer and she was like, oh. Yeah, it was, he was gone, and there was no. And the doctor said there was nothing she could have known. There's nothing they could have done. He had just been to the doctor two months ago. They didn't see anything. Nothing was anything. It just happens. Yeah, it's like this crazy silent killer, and you're like, what? Like, yeah. maybe it's a good way to go though, because it's so quick. It's like all of a sudden, poof. You know, the big bright light comes. You see God, and you're gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, my sister's birthday, and like. <gasps> I was outside smoking a cigarette, and then uh, we were at her friend's house, and they're like, hey, something's wrong with your mom, and I come in, and she's on the ground, uh, went to the hospital, had brain surgery, all that, and they said, out of the type of uh, uh, aneurysm she had, like, 50% of people die immediately, and then, like, out of those people that make it, 50% of people have major traumatic brain injuries. Because uh, it's called, because a brain aneurysm is another word for a stroke? Yeah, well, it's it's similar. It's a brain bleed, essentially. Uh, you know, so you get blood on your brain, which you're not supposed to have, and then that causes that. you to, uh, it basically shuts a bunch of shit down. So, sure. um, which can vary depending on where it happens in your brain. Uh, but yeah, whereas uh, a stroke is a blockage, so you're not getting oxygen to that portion uh, of the brain. So that's why it's easier. More people survive strokes typically than aneurysms. Uh, not, I don't know exact numbers on that, because but I'm not the, a doctor. Right, because <laughs> of the weird blood seeping through yeah. all your little cranial bits. Yeah. Anyway, but so, so uh, you know, that kind of like forced me into a perspective where I was like, all right, I'm an adult. I need to act like an adult. I need to get my shit together. And like, I'm hurting everyone else around me. So I got clean. I started working at a restaurant. Did you kinda... use Jesus to get clean? No. no not no. at all. What I about the 12-step program? I do not like the 12-step program. AA, no, you were like, no. fuck it. No higher power. Fuck the higher power. I can do this even... on my own. I mean, this is me problem. I'm not submitting to a higher power. I'm not going to say I'm powerless to drugs. I'm going to say I do have power against drugs and I'm going to make choices to not do them anymore. That's a big part of it. It's kind of like the opposite of AA. Yeah. That's a big part of AA that bothered me in NA was that you have to, it's a submission.
addiction. Yeah, that's the very first step is you have to admit that you're powerless over the or the drug has power yeah. over you and you are a powerless human being and uh, choose exactly. one. Exactly. I think your your power ranges depending on the, the day of the week. I think some days you are <laughs> in control and some days you're not. And it's your job to be aware when you're slipping and then just do whatever you can to prevent you from making the wrong decision in that moment. Peanut Gallery Zach Wiseman has a comment about drugs. Uh, never stop doing them. This guy's a loser. Not <laughs> Uh, no, I think a lot of drug problem comes with from like uh, not teaching people coping mechanisms, and um, yeah. that submission to like a higher power thing isn't necessarily like I didn't understand this for a long time because uh, it they push it as God, yeah. but like uh, I do a lot of hallucinogens, so I understand it in that fashion. Like, and also so did the uh, the whoever the founders of AA, they were very uh, yeah. acid guys, and it's like. Uh, it's realizing that you're a fucking puny thing and that these problems are kind of minuscule. It's like a framing thing, more or less, you know? And I don't think, I mean, you don't need a God thing, but it is, it's good for your mental health for whatever reason. Yeah. To have a God thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good for your mental health to have a God thing? Yeah. I think that real. varies. I think it varies person to person. I Also, uh, God to God. Like, uh, okay, the tr- Christian God, uh, he loves you no matter what, you know, all loving, blah, blah, blah. To think, like, this is what I do to get good at stuff. I hate myself, and I make something, and it's good, but it's not that good, and I could do better, you piece of shit. You better fucking do better, uh, and that makes me get better. I get better at stuff, but I'm also miserable. Sounds like the voice of uh, a dad, possibly. Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, that's maybe, like a stepdad for me. Yeah. But um, if you take that same equation, and then you put an all-loving God in there, it, it like, totally dissipates all the fucking, like, hate I have for myself, because this yeah. guy loves me, and I'm, you know, doing, and he's fine with it, and it's like a, it's like a little loophole in that system. Yeah. Listen, I'm no Bill Maher. I'm not, like, anti-people's belief in religion, and, and I think AA works for people who use AA. I'm just saying, personally, for me... Actually, like, good good job that good was job. my thought process at the time and still today now i definitely embrace therapy as an option having somebody else who is a a rational sensible person kind of being able to give you perspective on what's going on in your life and be like okay you know just as a metric uh that's fucked up you need to do, like not in that is language is that how you got out of the hole was through therapy no no actually it was just i just you you i just did it on my own you I bootstrapped fucking bootstrapped it, yeah. it you're like yeah. i'm yeah, gonna you. get this done yeah that's insane but i don't know if you that's necessarily the best way to do it you know sure. like, but it worked for you like i want to take therapy now but it's every time i've tried to go to a therapist i've always been very dissatisfied with the results like i went to a therapist in college and she just like stared at me vacantly <laughs> i went to like a, a child therapist after my grandmother died it was like kind of like oh everything's gonna be all right i was like i never really like i went to a couple therapists uh, since then and it's just like the, with, it never clicked but the thing is like rather than give up on it i just need to find the right person sure you know? sure i think a lot of therapists like voyeurs or just like too supportive which doesn't help you know, yeah if you're all everything's good then why am i fucking here? yeah, why, yeah, yeah exactly. why am i giving you 175 dollars an hour if everything is great yeah i don't want it's okay i want like okay here yeah you have a problem but you know let's talk about it and here's like a constructive way to look at the world yeah you know? so wine good opiates bad how much wine do you say you drink <laughs> wine is your job i mean that's why i couldn't ever be in the wine industry yeah. is i i'm not an alcoholic i'm a drunk yeah so like i love i fucking love i love drinking i love day drinking yeah. i love drinking for 14 hours at a time i love it when i can start in the morning at like 11 with some whiskey and coffee and i just kind of go whiskey and water and then i start to beer and then when the sun goes down i don't drink any more whiskey and i can drink all day long and even almost until like 11 12 at night i'm a little older now so maybe we'll say 10 so i can do like you know 11 hours of solid drinking and i love it 
<laughs> uh, but I don't think I have a problem. I mean, because I don't because I, I don't do it all the time. But you switched like how much? If that's why I couldn't have a job because I'd be like I'd constantly drink wine. Yeah. I just I, I fucking love that shit. So your addictive personality didn't, didn't bleed over into alcohol? No. Well, here's the well for a couple reasons. Do you think it was situational? Did it it's, mostly? No, it's just really specific to opiates. I think okay. it's really specific yeah, to opiates. I think everybody, I, not everybody. Some people have a drug of choice, DOC, yeah. if mm-hmm. you've heard the acronym. Um, and that was mine. That was right, mine. Yeah. So, and that's my weakness. You know, and not that I haven't done other drugs habitually, but I've never been like I can't control it. You right. know, uh-huh. I just this love is it like so much. I can't control it. Right. You know? So, and that's why it's why it's dangerous. Without alcohol specifically like i like the negative effects outweigh the positive effects for me so and much immediate specifically the feeling like shit and like hangovers hit me really hard and really quickly like i could be drinking and already start having a headache Oof. like even after a couple hours of drinking Oof. now i like to drink a little bit i like i feel like uh just like a little bit of alcohol kind of like you know loosens me up just the right amount mm. you know i feel i feel comfortable um but like too much just it takes it too far for me so yeah. I, that's that's why i've been able to control it and honestly this is gonna sound a bit ironic but uh, i don't really drink that much wine anymore mainly because it like gets me way worse of a hangover than anything else sure, so the I, stick tannins. To, I stick to gin i stick to gin mostly and i drink mostly white wine if i do drink wine interesting yeah so what's what what do you recommend to people do you do you like doing it like it's because you're dealing with people that have lots of money yeah sometimes i mean not always i also work at a wine bar right now uh, and, that, and i like that because it's more casual yeah. um you know i i also do wine tours and honestly I, I enjoy that the most right now just because i get like a long conversation with people over eight hours versus like a short interaction sure but i think if honestly if i was going to stay in the industry i'd rather just like open a wine bar and just have it be super casual low price wine people just come right. and like eat and hang out and get a little tipsy and just have like it's about the people not so much the wine i think what i recommend to people's based on what they like i think i know what uh, a balanced wine like just from studying and drink and like tasting and drinking and educating myself i know how to evaluate things that are like this is quality and this isn't but there's like a wide range and like it just like comedy just like art just like anything a lot of it's subjective a lot of it's what you prefer i think food and drink especially are subjective because everybody has different tastes some people like to eat like nothing but asparagus all day long <laughs> while other people are like i need a steak immediately you know so um you know, what I recommend is like, I just a conversation. I ask them, do you like something like fruit forward or dry or whatever? Some basic questions and that kind of gets me Okay, there. so what's like a great uh, $10 bottle of like dry Merlot? Oh, I don't even know Merlots, man. I like I, Merlots are so. Uh, Pinot then, Pinot then. Pinot. Merlot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ten dollars. I don't know. You probably find Deloche. I don't think that's too expensive. The problem with Pinot oh, is shit. Pinot Noir is super expensive right now, uh, just because of Randy. a stupid movie called Sideways. Yeah. No. Uh, not. I mean, I have mixed feelings about the movie. The movie was decently made. You know, Paul Giamatti. Love the guy. All right, but um, you know, basically that killed Merlot and that basically like uh, boosted Pinot sales. So now Pinot, it's like impossible to find it for like less than $30 a bottle. Sure. If it's, if it's good. But well, you can it's find also the what, Willamette Valley and the special things where the, where yeah. the it's like coastal, but not like the, the, the fog comes in just right yeah. over the wine vines and it <laughs> makes this perfect climate for the Pinot Noir. Yeah. Honestly, I recommend European wines mostly to people because yeah. you can get, por- you get wine from Portugal, you can get wine from Eastern Europe, you get wine from certain areas of Italy, super cheap, yeah. really quality great stuff easy to drink like that's that's where i had because they're lesser known areas the more popular something is yeah. the more expensive it gets that's how wine works and like in another 10 years it'll be something else that's too expensive to buy so we'll find something else but like there's an entire world of people growing wine they're growing wine in uruguay brazil they're growing wine all over the world right now sure. like some 
else. Really great ones. Yeah, yeah. Something else will come along and and and, and be great and inexpensive. I mean, that's kind of how restaurants work. Is you know, you got a bottom line, you need to make money, so you buy something that's like cheap but good, and then it gets popular because you have a trendy restaurant, mm-hmm. and then and you then can't people, buy that anymore, yeah. and you buy something else. Uh, I just I came back from. Uh, Italy and Greece and it was amazing how inexpensive wine was at the store you could spend yeah. like three euros on a bottle and you'd have an amazing bottle I mean we were spending like I was looking at it and I'm like what about this one it's, it's euro 50 it was like we, yeah. it was insane the wine was almost cheaper than water it, it yeah, was you find garbage wines for like 89 euro cents yeah, like, like, yeah. but it was I, I was just so impressed we drank we drank a lot of wine uh why do you think historically has wine been considered sacrificial and what's the whole thing with Jesus and the blood of him being wine and what do you, why do you think these rituals sort of have evolved around wine well rituals have always been important you know, you know Joseph Campbell I assume uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah big fan of Joseph Campbell uh, and you know he talks a lot about this as specifically as it as it pertains to uh, uh, Native American or uh, American indigenous tribes and uh, you know and also um any sort of pagan tribes that ritual is a huge part of religion the catholic religion kind of brought in a lot of that as well and because uh it is what kind of differentiates normal reality from this like spiritual experience and so it delineates the difference between i'm just outside eating a sandwich and i'm in here having a moment with god right now and somebody's <laughs> like connecting us so that's really what it's about i think you know it could have been anything why is it wine i just think because wine was such a part of western culture at that point you know the greeks really kind of kicked it off and the romans kept that up and then uh it just you know, anywhere where the romans were there was wine and so you know uh, spread out all over Europe. Exactly. And then then the Catholics basically took I don't say took their place, but well, Roman Catholic came in. And, well, it came <laughs> in as the new power structure, somewhat. But what really what happened is, um, you know, the Romans were uh, a a government essentially, a political body, uh, and not a religious one. And like they didn't really care what you did religiously. You know, there are plenty of different gods. Right. Pontius worship. Pilate was like, "You guys want to kill this guy? You want to call him the king of the Jews? You want to kill him? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll do it. Sure." I'm your yeah, man. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Whereas, uh, oh God, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So where the Catholics came in and uh, they had divine authority, but there was still like d- different government governmental bodies. I mean, not at first, but by the time you get to like a, a, a that 1000 AD, 1066, the Battle of Hastings, you know, and like the Catholic Church has spread out enough that you know the kings are really controlling that area working with them but you know there were times when they went against the catholic church you know they had a great schism you know you had the false pope well they he, the one guy wanted to get a divorce from his wife the king and he was like that's Henry fuck VIII. your church yeah. i'm gonna get a divorce we're gonna have, call it a new church exactly your rules are dumb i'm the king whereas if they were like <laughs> the government then they could just uh, stamp out a rebellion you know but they had to rely on the fear of different monarchs to do their bidding does knowing history for realsies, because you actually studied it, does it scare the fuck out of you what's going on right now in our world? Uh, I mean, I'm always scared. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like historically speaking, I don't know. Sure. Um, I think what scares me more is uh, w- like we were not evolved. You know, I think our ideas may have evolved, but we as emotional people are not evolved. And technology has greatly evolved. And I think it's it's evolving faster than we can comprehend it, which mm. means accidents 
accidents will happen. How mm-hmm. big those accidents are going to be, I don't know. I know a lot of bad shit's going to happen, but a lot of good shit's going to happen too. It's just like, <laughs> do yeah. we make it or not? I don't know. This is like the period in society where we determine if the human race continues yeah, or we right fall there. off. I, yeah. I realized the other day we're closer to like the biblical fucking apocalypse than like we have fucking a uh, machine that rips holes in space time. You know, the, the mark of the beast shit is. I was watching a video, and so uh, Facebook hired uh, one of the, like one of their lead tech people is uh, like a former DARPA uh, mm-hmm. operative, whatever. Yeah. And they said the brain chip is going to be out by 2020. It's like within a year they're going to be brain chipping people. Brain that, that chipping. Brain chip. What is Talking that? Talking about mean? like neural ice, yeah, like yeah, what yeah. Elon Musk was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, like amping up your uh, ability to process information. Shit, to yeah. yeah, the future basically. There's a few different theories as far as like where we go. Do we merge with technology? Does technology supplant us? Does do we like basically become technology, or do we like advance biologically, like through nanotech or something like that? So there's a bunch of competing branches of science. Right now, for like what futurists believe will but be what about what just the human race will being look like. like human. What about like getting back to like body hair or something? Yeah, you know those what I mean? What about like what about embracing you. all like the the organic nature that we've been trying to negate for so long and saying that no negation of this. Let's actually be human and what it means to be human and not try to. What is does uh, hormone does, like, therapy and drug therapy and what, yeah. what about like uh, DNA alteration or gene, gene splicing shit? It's Pandora's box. I'm not into it's that out shit already. Either. I mean, the farthest I'll go is putting like baby blood on my face. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's to, to stay young forever. But I'm yeah, not gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to like. But like donated, you know. Gene, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's say this. If my buddy can't just take was, baby blood. Yeah. Well, right, okay. Let's let's say that let's say that um, Zach Wiseman got in a horrible accident and they were gonna chop his leg off. But uh-huh. if I had a baby and then gave it an abortion and then we could give those stem cells to make you have a leg again, I'd do that. I'd I'd, I'd have a baby and murder it for Fuck you. Fuck yeah. So that you could wow. that's like that's, that's your that's, baby to murder. You know. Yeah, right. But that's but that's because it's I'm actually using the genetics. I don't want to like take out genes and splice them and blah blah blah. I'm like if if I can give you if I can make cells inside my body with like magic of birth and right. then like somehow scientists can use it to save somebody else my aborted fetus i'm um, like fuck yeah so like they don't they're, they're finding new places to get stem cells from so if they don't need they stem don't cells need from your them. baby would you still kill your baby for me depends what you need me to kill it for do you need it or does this like i mean a, i don't want a baby anyway so like i wouldn't really just night, have a baby to kill it but <laughs> fresh squeezed baby blood you just stay young forever all right, all right, we're, we're, we're off the I apologize, I do this. It's uh, it's takes us off the trail. Uh, but, do you think abortions are moralistically wrong, or do you take no stance? Uh, I think, I mean, I think in some sort of situations, abortions could be considered moralistically right. Yeah! You know? um, Kelly Evans. Listen, I uh, I know people don't like to hear this, but, like, overpopulation is an actual thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now that first world societies are kind of moving into a negative birth rate, that's great. But that wasn't always the case. And, you know, a big reason why we're not currently in the red right now, like, at the moment, and we're still moving towards it, is that China instituted a one-child policy. Now, mm. whether you agree with that or not, or there's a lot of negative aspects of that yeah. for sure. It's probably but, the most ethical way to curb... Uh, curb population though but if it wasn't that then we would have another billion or more people on this planet probably more there there are millions of undocumented chinese for sure 
didn't. Their parents had one child, yep. and then they had another, had and the they've attic. been living in secret. And thank God, all Chinese people look the same. I'm sorry, that was racist. <laughs> <laughs> because they've hidden in the cracks. I'm kidding. They they don't all look the same. To each other though, that's the. Question. I don't know. To each other, I think they. But there are there are millions of people who were born after the. The, the one child yeah. rule and they don't have passports yeah. they don't have birth certificates they don't technically exist and they're still there and they're alive yeah. so well, what are we is that in addition to that they're people? kidnapping women from neighboring countries like Vietnam because Oof. you know they they treasure uh, having a boy over having a girl, so now there's like way more men in China than there yes, are women. Like Seventy percent men, or something. It's well, it's terrifying, but not even like just for sex. It's, yeah, yeah, it's for uh, for marriage, like to like imprison them into marriage. Uh, thank God, a lot of them escape, and there's resources on Jesus. the other side of like northern Vietnamese border for them. But it's just like I mean, there's pl- there's a lot of stuff wrong with that. What happened with that policy? Unintended consequences, and this goes back to what I was saying about technology. It's like we make the decisions that are life-changing or society changing Mm -hmm. and we don't understand the implications of them until 20 or 30 years later and and by then it may be too late i 100 percent agree with that because right now uh i'm i'm 44 i don't know how old you are but um when when i was in the 80s i remember when ritalin started becoming very popular with kids at school Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that the kids wanted it's the parents and the teachers and they said put this kid on ritalin and then we put we systematically put an entire generation of people on baby methamphetamine that they've been taking for 20 plus years now. It's just we, amphetamines. It's just amphetamines. Well, I, th- I, feel, like, I feel like it's for <laughs> it really babies. Is. It really is. I feel like, I feel like the Ritalin is like, it's safe for babies. Like, yeah. it's safe it's to just, take because it's Adderall. It's, it's for babies. Molecule. That's it. so it's a yeah, slightly it's like, different molecule. It's That's basically it. the same thing. It, yeah. Right. So, with we have years of unchecked methamphetamine use and what's going to start happening are we going to start seeing a lot of people that require kidney dialysis like what's happening what are the health problems of the people in my age range and a little bit younger that are going to start cropping up because we didn't have the foresight we're like mm-hmm. fucking shut those kids up in class yeah wow the <laughs> make problem. them docile don't teach them just make them shut yeah. up give them these drugs and then with that usage over time what happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, two things. One, sure, I mean, amphetamines are a huge problem, but look at fucking sugar in this country. Uh, like, you know, yeah. sugar. You want to talk about kidney dialysis, like, that's a big reason. Absolutely. You know, diabetes because of that, uh, leading to kidney dialysis. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, the reason why people are pumping their kids full of amphetamines is because the way that we educate is from the 1800s, all right? We don't use anything else from the 1800s. We're not using horses and buggies. <laughs> you know, things have moved forward, but somehow we still have an education system that uses the banking method. It makes absolutely no sense for the current technology or where the future is going. Or, like, or just in terms of how people learn things. Exactly. Like, it, none of it makes sense. You know, people want to move around because they're curious. They want uh-huh. to interact with the world. Like, mm-hmm. they don't want to just shut up and sit You, you could just take kids and be like, what do you like? And he's like, I like Pokemon cards. And I'm like, all right, we can teach you most of this stuff through Pokemon yeah, cards. Yeah, math. You yeah. can teach math through Pokemon you cards. Almost, Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah. the future is gamification, like basically like VR education, yeah. where it's like it's a game that you're involved in, and that's how you learn history or whatever you want to learn mm-hmm. is by interacting. And the thing is the algorithm, this is the one thing about technology that I do like, is the algorithm can learn from how you respond to things. So if you do really well with one like method of education, then it starts reinforcing that. Yeah. And so then you start learning at a faster rate, and it's more 
more effective and mm-hmm. more efficient. I like the 1800 like ship. Yep. Fuck these kids. <laughs> Fuck these little babies. That are, I'm bored in school. I can't sit still. You know what? I couldn't either. I was an ADHD kid and I wanted to raise my hand all the time and I wanted to jump around and I just sat there and I fucking took it and it made me a smarter person and a better person. I think that it's too, we make it too easy. Oh, do you not want to read a book? Why don't we give you a video game to play so you can learn? How about shut the fuck up and learn? How about memorize shit? Kids don't memorize anything anymore. This is why we have that shit though. It's like that frustration. And I think a lot of that is born out of like, well, this is the way I did it. So this is the way you should do it. But we got to let that shit go. That's too conservative of an attitude. Certain things we have to be liberal about. Certain things we have to be conservative about. I think one thing to be liberal about is like, you know, how do we, what's the best way to go forward? If something works better, you should probably just do that. Yeah. And like, and I think if people, if kids can't sit still and they did, you know, like maybe there's a reason for that. I think that the thing is, and I've, and I found this with, uh, cause I used to manage a restaurant and the thing you learn is like when you have to make decisions for other people is like, sometimes you're wrong, you know, you gotta let that shit go (laughs) Mm -hmm. real quick. And the thing is, if you hold on to it too much, everybody thinks you're an asshole and you probably are an asshole because you don't want to listen to other people's thoughts or opinions or try something that might actually work. You're right all the time. And it's hard to be right all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. And you can't, you can't die on every hill. You know what I mean? Like. If people are gonna, Jesus you, you can't you can't die on every hill. You got to choose your battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. No, no, no. <laughs> Yelling is great. I Absolutely. I mean, I constantly. I have a I have a rant on every show. It isn't a show unless I rant about something. Nice. Uh, so, you feel you feel like you're balanced now. You feel like all the addiction is behind you. The future is now. Everything's gonna be okay for Kelly Evans? Uh, I don't know if I go that far. I, th- I don't think the addiction is ever behind you. I think it's always there. I think the one thing AA does have is like, you know, it's always present. You have to be aware of it. Like I was saying, yeah. you have good days and bad days. And it's just like knowing where that line is and just knowing what the, like I know what the danger signs are now for my behavior. And I uh, avoid those at all costs. Like it's like, I'm not going to hang out with these people. I'm not going to do this. I'm, recognizing the feelings is like, exactly. it's the biggest part of most things. Well, it's like panic attacks. I started having panic attacks about like four years ago. Oh. And like, I don't have them anymore. And I haven't had one for a couple years. Watch, I'm gonna have one tomorrow. But like, but like, because I, I started recognizing what the signs were leading up to them, and the things that were you know making me feel that way, and making me so anxious. And then I was able to start like rerouting what I was doing mentally to avoid that. You know. Yeah. So are other people not? able to become healthy because they're just not using self-examination is it i think there's a lot of uh, people lying to themselves there's i think there's a huge amount of that and uh i mean i i don't know nobody knows what the fucking cure is for addiction stuff Mm -hmm. but i was a drunk for like a good number of years like most of my life i've been a fucking drunk and uh i'm i'm not a drunk anymore and not like i abstain from alcohol and i didn't go to aa i just did a bunch of acid and it like fucking it like i don't have that monster in me anymore yeah. It's very, I don't know how to explain it, but it functioned. I mean, I just don't fucking, I'll have four drinks, I'll have six drinks, and I just don't want to, I don't want it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to presume to have the answer for everyone. I think it's different depending on yeah, absolutely. who you are. I think a big part that helps me is that I feel like I have something to, like, uh, look forward to 